We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to the Pack-A-Day podcast. This is Jacob Morley, joined as always by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find us on Twitter, uh, myself at Jacob Morley and Ross at Ross Uglum. Ross, just jumping right into this podcast. We are about 24 hours, not even 24 hours removed from that game yesterday. And all I have to say is... Aaron Rodgers is the boogeyman. Nobody wants to see this guy. And are you kidding me that he was able to come back into this game with one leg and essentially completely turn the tide of a game? I'm just riding an emotional high right now from that game. Today was awesome. It was just one of those days where you could not take the smile off of my face. Um, Every single article that came out today, I was just happy to read it happy to click it just gathering as much information as i can obviously we don't know much about next week with his knee injury but i don't even really want to think about that i just kind of want to bask in the glory of this game ross you were in lambeau field for this game you got to witness this firsthand the emotional roller coaster that i'm sure was unbelievable Um, I really just kind of want to shut up and hear what your take is on this because, I mean, just just get us started with, obviously, we can forget about the first three drives. They were were awful. But if you want to start with just your thoughts on this game and kind of take us 
from the moment where Aaron Rodgers was hurt, just what was the atmosphere in that stadium? And then just kind of walk us through the game. We were live and in living color at Lambeau Field. It was fantastic. Um, the other team that I cover, North Dakota State University, they were off. They had a bye week. So I was able to actually head towards Wisconsin on Friday uh, and really enjoy everything the Green Bay has to offer on a game weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. They had a tremendous uh, concert event on Saturday night, the Steve Miller Band. You see pictures from that. The entire uh, parking lot was just jam-packed. There had to have been 60,000 people in that parking lot. Absolutely unbelievable. And uh, we just enjoyed every minute of it. As far as the game was concerned, uh, I, I don't know, you know, if, if it's ever gone from that low to, to that high because any Packers fan remembers exactly how they feel, uh, excuse me, exactly how it made them feel uh, when, when Rodgers went down with the collarbone injury uh, against against Chicago, the Shea McClellan hit. Everyone remembers reading on Twitter that Rodgers was probably lost for the year after the Anthony Barr hit. We actually were in the section with a lot of, uh, not a lot, the three very, very, very obnoxious uh, Bears fans. Um, in fact, two of the three of them were actually removed from the stadium. I'm not just complaining because they were Bears fans. I mean, they were disruptive to kind of everybody's game experience. But this sort of added to what I would say just sitting amongst Packer fans was about as low and about as quiet as it gets because they were down 17 now. Then the guy that they were supposed to have acquired, Khalil Mack, uh, basically turned into Thanos from Infinity War and started erasing people. And uh, it looked like they whiffed on that acquisition. It looked like the quarterback was out. Uh, Kaiser was going to have to lead the team for the rest of the season. And I'm not even sure it was something that Mike McCarthy could have survived. I mean, a Super Bowl win uh, gets you a lot of leash, but they would have gone 4-12, and 5-11, and 6-10 with Kaiser. I, I don't really think I would be able to see a future in Green Bay for, for McCarthy. Uh, I don't know as though he really would have survived that, especially with Pettin already on staff. Beyond that, though, uh, just some of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Um, Rodgers coming out of the tunnel. He, he came out. Our seats were, were in that end zone where Green Bay's tunnel is. Came out. The last Packers alumni to get introduced was Jerry Kramer. Rodgers came out, gave Jerry a hug. And then do, uh, did what uh, you would call like uh, butt kickers, calisthenics, that, to, to try and get warm up. And he started kind of jogging and then doing butt kickers to really warm up his knee. And then he started sort of whipping sidearm passes. Uh, I think it was Kaiser or Equinemius that he was warming up with, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, he was getting warmed up and ready to go. And it was like, man, he, he's really going to give this thing a shot. Just that action alone got the crowd really into everything that was going on. And then, you know, an even bigger reaction when he actually entered the game. And absolute pandemonium uh, a number of times. The throw to Geronimo Allison, which is the, the single greatest throw I've ever seen in person, um, was absolutely bonkers. The, the far hash, 50 yards in the air. There's about a two-foot-by-two-foot two window to fit that in. It was absolutely insane, and it was an absolute 
rocket ship. I mean, the throw was just incredible. Um, you know, the, the Adams touchdown with the, the sudden feet and the real, real, really destruction of the defensive back that was trying to cover him. And then the Cobb touchdown uh, was, was absolutely bonkers. And the, uh, the, the, the raise of everybody's hands after Rodgers threw that fourth down with two seconds left and just heaved the ball, you know, into the stands. It was just elation. I mean, I've, I've never been a part of something that dramatic. We celebrated. We should have celebrated. It was absolutely uh, so much fun against the team's top, most hated rival. I mean, it was uh, almost like a college football atmosphere all weekend, and the, the, the wild and crazy stuff that went on was pretty college football-esque as well. Gosh, that's – I can't even – begin to explain how jealous I am right now I mean watching the game on TV and I'm sure a lot of Packers fans can relate with this but you know when you see him go down my mind just went to dark dark places where you know you start to think about okay McCarthy you're right McCarthy's probably not going to be able to survive this because this is not going to be a good season for us the season's lost again but then you get even deeper and you start thinking, gosh, you know, this is the second year in a row that Rodgers is going to end up on the IR. And then you start getting some Tony Romo type vibes or, you know, some Joe Theismann type. Like, is this is this guy's, you know, all world career going to be cut short by injuries? And that wouldn't just that wouldn't just be heartbreaking to Packers fans. That would be heartbreaking for the National Football League just to see this generational talent go down. And I think everyone, you know, especially being Packers fans, we've kind of had some rotten luck with injuries the last few years. And I think everyone was just really, just really down and just really kind of out and thinking, you know, this isn't going to be good. You know, he gets carted off. It looked bad. I, I know you saw the TV version of it, too. Um, it didn't necessarily look bad in the sense of him twisting and, you know, some kind of gruesome injury. But just the way he went down and couldn't put weight on it, it's just, you know, it just it just was – it, I was I was so bummed, and I even tweeted out, you know, I don't think there is a worse way, or I, at least I can't think of a franchise starting a season off in a worse way than the Packers did that night. You know, you, you couple it with Khalil Mack, obviously the guy that everyone had in their sights all offseason, ending up on our heated rival, Chicago Bears. And not only that, but he's coming out and absolutely, like you say, that's a great comparison, calling him Thanos and saying he's just making people disappear because he was everywhere. I mean, he was just a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, and so you, you see that and you're just like, gosh, okay, well, they should have just given up everything to get this guy. And then Rodgers goes down and it just, it, I've never felt more defeated in a football game than at that half. And you start thinking, you know, are the tides turning? Is the next, you know, 100-year anniversary, is the next 100 years going to belong to the Bears? You know, is, have we seen the last of the great Green Bay Packers? And then Rodgers comes back in the second half like, like I mean, I, just, you know, from the ashes, out of nowhere, he comes running out of hell. And and no one really knew about it either. That's that's what's crazy is, is hearing you talk about the, the Packers legends that are there. You know, you always hear about, the ghosts of green Bay and these, and you know, how much, how much history is there and the legacies of these guys. And it's just, uh, it couldn't have been more perfect And that. And I actually, I saw you tweet that about Jerry Kramer, but I didn't, I thought that was before the game. 
I didn't realize that was at halftime. That's awesome. That's so cool. It's almost like Jerry Kramer did like a Mr. Miyagi with the hands, just laid hands on Aaron Rodgers' knees, and he just he was good to go. I don't, but that's that's so cool. Um, we could talk about that game, and and my advice for Packers fans would be enjoy that game as long as you can. And that stuff, you know, the NFL is such a week to week thing, and the and you know the, obviously the Vikings are in town next week, and they're a good team. Like my goodness, if you watch that deep, they have a special defense. It's not going to get any easier next week. But I'm going to enjoy this Bears win until about 30 seconds before kickoff for that Vikings game. Um, I'm not going to worry about this Rogers stuff about his knee. Obviously, I'm going to stay up to date on it. We didn't get any updates today. Uh, McCarthy actually just said, you know, they're still gathering information. They don't know. Uh, you know, with injuries like that, things can definitely happen the next day where things, you know, they don't heal as well. It's gonna, he's he's going to be probably more sore today than he was yesterday. Um, but we'll see how that progresses. So we will move on from that, though. We'll still talk about the game, but beyond Rogers. Um, Ross, there was, there has been kind of a lot of criticism towards Mike Patton's defense um, already after one game. A lot of uh, the kind of the hashtag that was popular on Twitter was higher capers, and which is funny. But you know, I think a lot of that criticism is is unfounded and, and really not that fair. Um, Ross, I kind of want to get your take on this. You're watching it live, but really, the defense gave up 16 points. Um, and if you can give up 16 points in a game with Aaron Rodgers, even with Aaron Rodgers with one and a half legs, that's more often than not going to be plenty. Um, granted, they were playing a second-year quarterback, and uh, that, that first drive was impressive. But after that, I really thought they locked down and, play, and actually played pretty well. Ross, what are your thoughts on that? I would say, number one, that Nagy had a great script. But it kind of is like in the movies when, uh, you know, the hero empties both chambers and the bad guy's still not dead. Mm-hmm. And that was really the feeling that you got from Chicago. Once they got off their 18, 20 play script, whatever it was, it was very uninspiring. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Deshaun Kaiser was a negative 10 point swing. He gave away an easy field goal and obviously threw the interception to Mac on the screen. You know, the, the, the defense gives up 16 points. It's a talented, talented team in Chicago on the offensive side of the ball. Trey Burton, Allen Robinson, uh, Cohen is very good. Jordan Howard is very good. Kyle Long is very good. You know, they have guys that can play on that side of the ball. And I think it's kind of foolish to be mad because they gave up points early. I mean, that was you know Matt Nagy's Super Bowl that first quarter and he called everything he had and they threw haymakers at the Packers and and ended up with a touchdown and a field goal and that was about it because like I said the other the other touchdown was uh, by by Thanos Mack um, I, I just I'm with you I think that Petten made the appropriate adjustments and was excellent in the red zone. And if you're going to give up 16 points a game 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is generally going to score 17, so you're going to win 65 to 75% of your games. And that's a, a fantastic formula, in my opinion, even keeping guys under 20. I mean, yeah, you look at the playoff losses in Aaron Rodgers' career, I think it's something like 36 and a half points against. So if he's not getting the offense to 37, they're not winning most playoff games. Or uh, That might not be the exact math, but the point stands. You don't need to give Rodgers that much. And I think Patton really did. I think specifically where you can see the talent improvement on the team where the defensive backs were uh, a revelation. Kentrell Price got picked on a little bit, but that's going to happen. I mean, that's not his thing. Um, yeah, I think you'd want to use Tremont Williams maybe in that role a little bit more, uh, that off safety that needs to cover a little bit. I think, uh, you know, Morgan Burnett might have been a little help, a little bit more helpful there. Um, maybe get a, a true free safety to pair with HaHa. Kentrell is, is not a cover guy, and I don't think makes any bones about being a cover guy. You know, he's there to mash you in the face, and he did some face mashing last night. I thought he overall played okay, but he got isolated uh, a couple different times. Um, Burton beat him a few times. Then they threw Josh Jackson on Burton, and it was game over because, as we know on this podcast, uh, Josh Jackson very well may be the best defensive back to ever lace him up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and it's, it's interesting you say that because the what gets me excited about Petten, too, is his willingness to, to make those adjustments. In the second half, you saw Josh Jackson – uh, blanketing Trey Burton, but you also saw Jair Alexander basically eliminating Tariq Cohen's in the passing game, um, which I thought was really neat because you don't like we're we're so used to kind of Dom Capers coming out with his game plan and kind of just sticking to it, and I thought that was super refreshing and encouraging to see. You know, Mike Pettin, like you said, like that's a great analogy of you know Matt Nagy. Basically, he emptied he emptied both of his chambers. He knocked Mike Pettin down, but you know. This, the slow hand raise with the with the crowd cheering, Mike Pettin got back up and basically had a great game plan for him in the second half and really didn't give them much of anything. You know, he basically dared them to run the ball, and they did. And, you know, they ran the ball well, um, but not well enough to really gash the Packers. I mean, they, they, they were able to stop them when they needed to. They, you know, it would have been frustrating that last drive if they would have gone down and scored, and that really would have been the narrative of, Oh, Aaron Rodgers is amazing. Packers defense still sucks, you know, uh, but they got the job done. They held him to a field goal and everyone in the stadium, everyone watching that game knew that the, the backers were going to win that game. You know, you, you left Aaron Rodgers with over two minutes and all he needed was a touchdown. I mean, it just, it was, and he was on fire. So it's interesting, you know, pro football focus actually had Josh Jackson as their 13th ranked corner after week one and Jair was their 17th. So, that's that's very encouraging to me that we have these two young corners that come out in game one and produce as top 20 corners, um, you know, in their first game. So that's uh, like I said, that's really encouraging. That's that's good to see. I know, you know, Tremont and Kevin King were not rated as high, but, you know, you really didn't hear their names that much. You know, Tremont looks like a 22 year old kid out there running around, which is unbelievable. And Kevin King, I thought I thought Kevin King actually played really well. Um, I haven't gone back and looked at him specifically, and I don't have access to the All-22, so I won't be able to. But just from the, the pure aspect of you didn't hear his name. Um, he, he seemed when he was thrown at, he had good coverage. So 
Um, great building blocks uh, for this defense moving forward. It's only going to get better with uh, Burks coming back as well. That was one thing that I really thought the Packers were missing last night, especially with an explosive running back like Tariq Cohen was that athletic inside linebacker to kind of chase that stuff down. Um, luckily, I, I think he'll either be back the ne next week or the week after. I know he's he's a limited participant right now in practice. So, you know, the Packers are obviously a very con conservative uh medical staff so we will see with that moving forward the other two guys that i thought were really interesting russ um are from pro football focus are obviously the packers bookend tackles because it was kind of the tale of two two players and two halves david bakhtiari right now for pro football pro football focus is the number one rated tackle in the nfl after one week which is essentially him just picking up where he left off uh I don't know if Packer fans, I mean, we, I feel like we've been spoiled. We went through a couple of rough years of tackle play, but going from essentially Chad Clifton to David Bakhtiari and not spending a first round pick on either of them, that's kind of rare. David Bakhtiari is just, he's just, I mean, he just is such a stud. He's such a pro. He's still under 26. Um, I mean, I, I, you can't say enough about David Bakhtiari and his preparation and how he gets ready for this stuff. Um, but the more interesting player I thought Russ was Ross was uh, was Bulaga. Obviously, this guy's coming back. What is it? Is he he's just over nine months, right? Of of coming back from that ACL. Yeah, it was the November game against Detroit. Yeah, so the fact that you know Brian Bulaga is nine months removed from a pretty catastrophic knee injury. You know, he has to come out and play Khalil Mack, who's arguably the best edge rusher in the NFL right now, even though he hasn't been there that offseason. But I almost think that's I almost think that's a little bit advantage to Mack as well, because pass rush is, is such a it's such a chess match at times. And it's such a you know how you have a feel for this guy, and especially as it like a tackle like Bulaga, you really saw him settle in in the second half. And if you listen to his interview after the game, he talked about um, making adjustments in the sense of not changing his technique, but changing the techniques he used in the second half. Um, so I, th I just think, you know, hats off to Bulaga for going out there nine months, uh, nine months after, you know, getting his knee opened up and basically having a ligament replaced. He's such a pro. Um, so I'm actually pretty proud of the way of Brian Bulaga played. He's the 40, he's their 42nd ranked tackle right now. But I, I'm really uh, I'm encouraged by him. I think he's only going to get better as he kind of gets his feet back under himself. Um, but, Ross, if you want to talk about, you know, we did have uh, a, a really good mailbag question, and, it, and it's kind of a good segue into that. Um, but let's see. Who asked it? Let me pull it up here real quick. It was Eric Rose at Eric Rose 4. And I'll let you answer this, Ross, because you're much more of a – lineman guy than I am but he just says I'd like to hear more about what may have changed on the O-line from the first half to the second half was a night and day difference I agree with that it was but what do you think Ross really did change from the first half to the second half what kind of adjustments can you speak on well I mean what happened basically was 2014 uh, Rodgers had like a calf or a hamstring thing uh, people forget about that awesome run when uh, you know, they should have beat the Seahawks and then gone on to watch Rodgers kick Brady's ass in the Super Bowl. He was basically immobile. Um, 
they moved all of their stuff into the pistol. Uh, the Eddie Lacy stuff was all out of the pistol. So basically Rogers could uh, take a pistol snap and get the ball out of his hands, whether it was to a backer or a receiver. And that offense was pretty freaking lethal and mm-hmm. continued to be pretty lethal kind of throughout. That's what you went to in, in, in the uh, event that his knee got dinged up was he became a pocket passer. He needed to make a decision. He needed to get the ball out, and everybody got used to that. So corners got jumpier on routes. Uh, linemen were less concerned with the long, beautiful pass rushes. They were maybe kind of a muddle rush and then get a hand into a passing lane if they know the ball's coming out quick. And that actually worked in the Green Bay's favor. That's how you got the long bomb to Allison. That's how you got the kind of stutter go from Adams is they were paying attention to the short stuff because Rodgers was whipping the ball out of there. And uh, I love Aaron Rodgers, but when he, you know, dances around and digs around forever and ever and throws the ball away, it's frustrating to watch. Now, are there times uh, probably more often than we even give him credit for where he makes a play doing that? Yes. But I think the most efficient form of the passing offense is the one where maybe Rodgers is a little bit dinged up mm-hmm. and uh, just sort of has to sling it around the yard. And that is exactly what what happened. And I think you'll see that moving forward. And it's easier on the offensive line. They don't have to pass block forever and ever and ever. Yeah, and I think, you know, when they go to that kind of that quick set passing game too, you know, that, that wears out those pass rushers as well especially when you're not getting home as much and they're in that hurry-up offense. I think that that had a lot to do with it as well. It's just the fact that they were able to just kind of start leaning on those guys. And and Khalil Mack, you know, I don't care how hard you work. That guy still ended up playing like 45 out of 70 snaps, which I it's, I guarantee that's more than what the Bears had on their pitch count for him. Um, and I'm sure he was pretty gassed by the end of it too. I think we'll honestly get a better indication of this matchup next time the Packers and Bears play. Bulaga will be more established. He'll be further away from that injury. Khalil Mack will, as scary as it sounds, be more acclimated into in that defense um, and more in, in, in football shape. Hopefully, Bulaga... You know, that's a thing. He, yeah. He's on a pitch count, too. They weren't playing him a ton. Uh, I've been very vocal about how little I actually believe the inside linebacker position matters in today's NFL, but He's a top 10 pick, and, and he was a top 10 pick for a reason. I think uh, you, you start getting, you know, it was an edge rusher, so you start thinking about 60 to 70% of the snaps for, uh, you know, for Mac, and closer to 90, 95% of the snaps for Roquan, like Blake Martinez, who played every down last night. You're, uh, you're a completely different look from a Bears defense standpoint, and uh, I think as scary as it might sound, a better look. Uh, now, I say as scary as it might sound, Aaron Rodgers on one leg had no problem putting 21 on them in a quarter. So yep. they, they kind of still the Bears, but uh, from a talent perspective, very, very good. Yeah, and that's, you know, and, and Roquan made his presence felt immediately. I know he had a sack on his very first play, and you just get to see the speed and explosiveness that he possesses. Um, he was a guy that I really loved coming out of the draft class. They actually got him and Anthony Miller. I know you're a big Anthony Miller guy too. So I was really yeah. impressed with their draft class. Um, but yeah, it, Ross, it looks that that Bears defense is is going to be nothing to mess around with. I'm sure. Um, but we can. I mean, 
having Aaron Rodgers on your side is is almost like a cheat code. So uh, we'll hope that he just kind of keeps dissecting them, and he's kind of been able to own the Bears. Um, not, not kind of. He absolutely has owned the Bears, uh, going back to even Brett Favre. Um, it was really cool, too. Uh, you know, we we're almost running out of time here, but I did want to mention in – in Roger's press conference after the game, I thought it was really neat just to kind of hear him talk about how playing behind Brett Favre, you learn how to play this position the right way and you, and you learn how to be tough. And I just think that's kind of cool. You know, this is a completely different subject, but you just get to kind of see how their relationship is kind of developed over the years. And now that Rogers is kind of approaching those years as an older player in the league, I think he's been able to have a lot more empathy towards Brett Favre in his later years. But like I said, that is a completely different subject, and we don't need to dive into that. I just want to continue to enjoy this win. Um, Ross, thanks as always for, for joining me today. Um, Ross is actually driving back from Green Bay and um, actually took the time out to, to just call call me in the car. So this is, uh, this is awesome. Big ups to you, Ross. Really appreciate it. Um, as always, guys, if you're not following the Pack-A-Day podcast on Twitter, go ahead and give them a follow. Um, you won't regret it. You get to stay up to date on all pack, all things Packers, 365 days a year. Um, we will be back in a couple Tuesdays. Until then, thanks for listening. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams, 30, turns up field, 25, cutting right to the 20. Starts to his left. Now he moves. Starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up. Rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high. What did it go? It is caught for a touchdown. Yes! A miracle pass. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. One kick away from the NFC Championship game. From the 41. Left hand spot. 51 yards, field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick, to the uprights, and it is right down the middle, it is good, and the Packers are going to the NFC Championship game. And what a happy bunch of Green Bay Packers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.